Hey, welcome to Thought Police. I am Connor Golden, and today I'm with... Maggie Gates. Rory Strawn-Mock. And our guest, Kring T. Nelson from Twitter. What's up, dudes? Hey, I'm okay. Uh, Today we're recording on Tuesday, which is the same day that uh, Manafort got found guilty of eight crimes. Uh, Cohen pled guilty to eight crimes. But instead of that, we're going to talk about the Meg, because we also have the Meg. (laughs) There's enough um, commentary about that stuff. There's not enough. Yeah. Uh, really, on the, the real <laughs> victim of all of these crimes is Jason Statham, who's, who was blasted off the front page by these this rogues galleries of pudgy white men. Yeah, I think the real the real villain of the Meg is the Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a metaphor for um all of that. It actually brought in uh, $44.5 million It's during opening weekend. Yeah, it got, it got trumped by crazy rich Asians. I, you know, I hate... Do you feel like Trump ruined that word? You can't say trumped anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I still do. And if, like, trumped is, like, z- vetoed, then what about trumpets? Can we mm. not play them anymore? No. Absolutely not. It opens not. just trumpets a whole wormhole. No, they're called trumpets. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, I, I mean, it did it did all right at the box office. It definitely did better than that new Kevin Spacey movie that took in uh, $122. 123 or something, yeah. yeah. Something like that in opening weekend. I don't even understand how you make something in that denomination. 123 is a prime number. It's not divisible by anything. <laughs> it's, I think it's uh, like service fees from people pre-ordering the wrong movie or some shit. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. All right, let's jump into it. So you did you see it in 4D? No, I saw it normal D. However many Ds, uh, however many the, Ds are normal. You didn't get the moving chairs? I didn't get the moving chairs. I I, I did have a chair that, that reclined, but I don't think that was that was in any <laughs> conjunction with the movie. So we saw uh I, I walked in a little late into the previews because I ordered mini corn dogs and it took them a little bit to make them. And then yeah. How many kids mm. were sitting behind us? Like five? Five. There were five young children directly behind us. At like a nine o'clock on a Tuesday screening of the mag, there's like five, maybe six-year-olds who were talking the entire time we were watching it, which honestly I think added to the experience. It was nice to have a yeah. youthful perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And they were totally into it. Oh, yeah, they loved it. Oh, I'm all about the interactive movie theater experience. I, I've, you know... Who the fuck wants to go to a movie and sit in like abject silence, like read like that school that Buster Bluth went to? That sounds like no fun. <laughs> what was it? The, Mil- um, the Milford Academy. Let's get into the the plot a little bit. And what was the plot? Wow, that's the question of the day. I feel like the plot, you know, for me, I I almost could have reverse engineered from a like someone yelling at me the general idea of the film from a passing car, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Like, you know, it's, it's, first of all, you know, just based on like, it's a summer blockbuster and it stars Jason Statham. Jason Statham is going to beat that shark. There's no way that this could be like a Spielberg-esque Jaws movie or something like that, where like, you know, uh, everything hits. But from what I can surmise, the plot was that there was this like deep sea research thing that was like stranded under the sea because the Meg, the Megalodon was trying to like eat it. And they go and find Jason Statham, who is like this washed up, like, you know, they, he said he had seen the Meg years before, but people were saying that like, oh, he had, what was it that they said? He had like pressure, pressure. madness, yeah, he had pressure induced <laughs> madness. 
Yeah. <laughs> he had sea madness. Um, and any, any, like, I guess, like, beer goggled the world's largest shark. I did, I did like that when, uh, they were like telling him that, uh, about this mission and he was like, you're not going to get me to do it. And it was like, is it, is it his wife, his girlfriend, or who is it? That's his at wife the is under the- there. But that in no way prevents him yeah. from having like a romantic subplot with a completely <laughs> different other character, even though there's supposed compulsion for him to go down into the Marianas Trench is that his wife is down there. Like it's easy. Like he's like, well, I don't want to fuck her anymore, but I don't want to see her get eaten. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're in the friend zone. To be fair, ex-wife. Yeah. Okay, ex-wife. They were divorced, yeah, but they were like on. He just wanted to rub it in that in her face. He wanted oh, yeah, to rub exactly. It in her face. Yeah. He really wanted to sh- prove he was right about that fucking shark, and therefore he should have the kids. Do you know how many divorced men in America right now would pay the rest of their life savings to have their ex-wife eaten by a megalodon shark? <laughs> he's really take. He's really Christ. looking a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, it starts. It starts off with him. He he was on a different mission. They don't. I don't think they explain what no, exactly. That, no, he was just in Thailand getting drunk. Well, no, before yeah, he was that, in Thailand. Years that was it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I I was convinced at that point when he was in Thailand. So he does mm. the first mission where he thinks he sees the megalodon. About half of the crew that he's saving dies, but he saves the other half. Mm. And then he goes to Thailand. So the entire scene where he's in Thailand as a British diver just ca- I could not stop thinking about. The guy but of course that his name was Thai Mick children. or something, right? What? I think it was but his Jonas. name was like Oh my Mick. god, like Jonas and the Whale. Yeah, his name was his name was Jonas, <laughs> wow. which was like Jonah the Whale. Oh, I yeah. kept thinking of the that Thai diver oh, that saved those the whale? soccer kids that uh, Elon Musk called a pedophile. <laughs> the pedo. <laughs> yeah, the, the British guy. diver who's living in Thailand. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe it's just film because I've so as a white guy who's never been to Southeast Asia, I feel like well, I've been to India, but like that part of Southeast, like the Thailand, Cambodia part of Southeast Asia, like when films need to show that like a middle-aged white man has really hit the skids, he's always drunk in Thailand or Cambodia. He's never drunk in like Prague. It's always in like, he's at some beach bar in Koh Phangan or something like that. You know, uh, even Archer. Yeah. I feel like if you were having a real midlife crisis, you would just be like, I'm going to put it all on the line and go to Berlin and probably just like die. Oh, I would think that the average midlife crisis guy goes to like Tampa, Florida or something like that. (laughs) That's that's where they go. Like, well, your midlife crises, you're Uh, having are way have way too much wanderlust to them. I think I think you buy a, a, a wide body Harley and ride it down to to Rolling Thunder in Jacksonville. Yeah. But nonetheless, this is where we find our hero, Jason Statham. <laughs> Jason Statham. I'm going to probably call him Chev Chelios throughout this because I'm not going to be able to remember Jonas the entire podcast. So he has yeah. to swim down into the Mariana Trench to find... Uh, Which, don't was- they have vehicles for that? Don't they have vehicles for that? They need the best go, swimmer. Yeah. Well, and, he has to go below to find um, flippers. Like <laughs> a, a huge shark that has been extinct for three million years. Well, first he and rescues is he, why he does rescue the he does go down in a vehicle to rescue his ex wife mm. and the fat guy. Yeah. Uh and then the Asian guy dies. Yeah. The father oh, yes. of the father of um What's her name? No, no, no. That's later. Asian that's later. Guy. That's the other guy. guy that was the this guy movie was, who was such in... nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult. So my biggest problem with it is what they should have done with the movie is just had it be Crank with the shark. 
But that would have been rad. Tried, it would have been so sweet. And that's like the best parts of the movie. But yeah. what they did instead is they try to like build relationships with different characters that you don't care about at all. And then like some of the characters you die and you're not supposed to care. And then other characters like the woman's dad died and she like starts crying. And it's a super long scene of her like sad that her dad died. I couldn't have told you the guy's name. I had, At that point, I didn't realize that that was her dad. No, it's interesting that you bring that up because I have it in my notes that I thought that this could be cut down to a 30-minute television episode. And like, and it, would have and it just cut out down. all the side plots and just have him fight that goddamn shark. And like with like maybe like five minutes of expository setup at the beginning. And I don't like, know. I was heavily invested on that guy's letter to his wife actually getting there. And then not getting there. Don't address it. <laughs> They gave but, it to the dad, who then died. Who then dies. <laughs> but then what if they did it as part of a series of, like, crank, just, like, one-offs? Like, eight-episode season, and it was, like, crank yeah. with sharks, crank with alligators <laughs> and, and airboats. Like, you could just do a crank. like an Crank on a plane. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, the the dude who wrote the book, Steve Allen, uh, it was published in 1997, and it's a part of a five-book series, and oh, Hollywood shit. loves... Hollywood loves monopolizing on um, series, so like maybe we will get a shitload of crank movies with sharks. I mean, there's got to be another crank they had. I mean, it couldn't be a three million year old shark; it had to come from somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's, it's got to be Meg yeah. fucking. The five Meg book is series based on a book. Five book series. The first book takes place in. I wrote this all down. The Cretaceous period, and <laughs> um, the the Meg actually eats a T Rex. And oh that's, my god! That's, I want to see that so fucking that's bad. That's the book Shit. cover. Is that the Meg is so eating T Rex? It's it's a it's a dialogueless book, presumptively. Oh, Honestly, yeah. I and don't it's know. Purely descriptive. There's no but, dialogue whatsoever, unless we're like to presume yeah. that these are like some land before time ass dinosaurs, <laughs> and they're having like musical dialogue. <laughs> Steve Allen's actually been trying to get the movie made for two decades. And it got bought by um, Hollywood Pictures, which is a part of Disney. Uh-huh. And but this uh, is a Warner Brothers then, movie. Yeah, it's been it's they've been, he's been trying to make it for like twenty years. It's been through a ton of shit. At one point, Guillermo del Toro was like on the project too, which is crazy. Gonna fuck the Meg. <laughs> yes. So he got like his movie project like scrapped two times, and like the second time he like got sixty five thousand signatures on a petition to get it made like there's like a huge fan base for this and he's like i interact with my fan base if people will write him he like writes them into the books which is fucking crazy wow yeah he just writes his fans into the books that is a good business model you should write in i want to be in the next meg book yeah man it's like this is this makes me think of the uh those people who are trying to get the star wars last jedi remade and they're oh, like, yeah. we oh. know it'll be good because every single Star Wars fan will have input. <laughs> You're like, we know the Meg will be good because all of the weirdest fans will write in their suggestions. It's insane because like, I didn't realize it was based on a book. And after seeing the movie, I cannot imagine like what type of Do you think the person, guy's mad? The, the author? Yeah, I'm looking him up. What's his name? His name's Steve Allen. Steve Allen. It's- or it's Alton. I can't read my own handwriting. Alton. It's A. It's A L T E N. I'm like imagining Alton. like what what kind of person is like. Oh, he looks like a bro. He looks oh, like really? a bro, dude. Yeah, oh, man. Wow. I mean, if this first picture. Yeah, man. He looks like looks like a total '80s bro, man. Look also, this movie this movie was directed by the um, 
dude who made all of the national treasures. Oh man! So oh man! Are you seeing the one of him in the dear. striped polo? Bro, dude, this guy rocks. He looks like a small business owner. He looks like he owns a boat. <laughs> he looks like he owns a fishing boat. <laughs> he absolutely. Oh my god! He has. He looks like he owns a f- small fishing Shark boat Man. in Coral Gables, Florida. I've never been there, but it looks like he owns a boat there, <laughs> and he likes to hang out on back and tell people stories that don't go anywhere. Okay, I'm I'm scrolling through. Oh There's an God. audiobook for something he wrote called Vostok, which appears to be about an like a an insanely big alligator. No way. Yeah, dude, look at that. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, I'm going to do a rundown of all the titles of the Meg series. There are eight books. Oh, there's eight? I thought there was five. There's seven that are out with one more coming out next year. It, the first one is Meg. There's no the. It's just Meg, a novel of deep terror, followed by The Trench, followed by Meg, Primal Waters, Meg, Hell's Aquarium, Meg, Origins, Meg, Night Stalkers, Meg Generations, and coming next year, Meg Purgatory. These all sound so sick. <laughs> oh my God, is Purgatory just the Purge and the Meg? And they meet in one. Connor, I just <laughs> sent you a picture on Twitter that you need to check out. It's our boy Steve Alton on Twitter on Fox News holding up various oh sizes of shark teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That fucking rules. This dude rules, man. This movie makes so much more sense now that I'm watching this. And it's like America's oh newsroom. God. Like, what is this? <laughs> oh, wait. Did we even finish the plot? Oh, no, we got we to him in Thailand. Yeah. We got to get back. Yeah, okay. So, so they get, he, he gets on the boat and uh, the, uh, it's, there's, so the people he's saving are associated with this underwater research facility that's owned by Dwight Schrute. And they, <laughs> I like imagining have, that this is just he's become a billionaire through fantastic management of Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, <laughs> through that, and then he uh, franchised his beet farms, and now he's a billionaire. It is Dwight Schrute. Yeah, he's Dwight Schrute, and he so he he has to uh, Chef Chelios has to save the people that are underwater. So he saves them, except for the Asian mm. guy who dies, uh, and then they come back up, and then what? I don't even remember really what happened. They decide they have but to go back down. And and he has like he puts together this like crew that is like possibly the most like I don't know it's a hard line to walk between hitting like wonderfully like iconic film notes and just being a fucking hack. Um, and <laughs> I think this probably tends towards the latter. But like okay, so who else is going down? All right, we got a really hip, short haircut woman who's of course named Jax. And like, it looks like an anime character. Wait, yeah, like it looks an anime like character. She was you have a wise cracking black guy who can't swim. Why did that have to be a part of the plot? Why did that? Why did you even bring that up? I was, and like, so all this stuff is just hitting. Like, it feels like something that would be in like a nineteen eighties movie or something like that. Where you're like, yeah, they were really, you know, hit nails on the net, like nose there. You know, maybe like a, a Lethal Weapon or something like that era movie. But, like, man, that shit was a big hack. And so, like, then they decide they have to go back down and they, like, head off the shark. And then, like, oh, you know what it was? It was that the shark is going to Japan. Remember the shark? Oh, yeah. It was going to the huge beach. And, of course, that's the thing. It has that over. Oh, yeah. We... we Oh yeah, there were two sharks. We should. We should. So eventually, so the, the shark goes to the beach, and it's says, perhaps the most crowded beach I've ever. I was going to say, Wait. where is this beach where there are eight thousand people in perfectly spaced pool pool and noodles? 
Like literally everybody is five foot it away like from a, another person yeah. in a pool noodle. For it looked miles. like a big bowl of uh of like uh, Cheerios or Fruit Loops. Yeah, it looked like Cheerios, Fruit Loops. Yeah, it looked well, like Well, that Fruit was Loops. the second. I've never that was the second shark. Was that the second shark? Yeah, yeah. that was the second shark. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. So the first shark they go out, they decide they have to kill it, so it doesn't kill anybody. So and they very successfully kill that first shark. I like that they hoist that uh like seventy to ninety foot. Meg onto this little like the <laughs> smallest fisher boat I've ever seen. Onto the author of the Meg's fishing boats. <laughs> the author of the Meg too uh, described in his book that this uh, Meg weighs seven hundred thousand pounds. So just imagine a seven hundred thousand wow. pound shark on just this little motor. I mean, boat if you thing. can see, he's already comparing tooth size. So he, yeah, he, this guy cares a lot about this guy's size. got proportions. To, this guy's got proportions down to a science. He's a size queen. So yeah, they get they hoist the they kill the first Meg, and they hoist it up. And uh, the fat guy is like taking pictures, trying to take pictures with his head like inside the Meg's mouth. And they scare him. He falls into the water, and then everyone's like, "Oh, he's in the water!" Everybody look at him. And then another Meg comes and just immediately eats him. Yeah, um, a shark with eyes on the side of its uh, its body with no depth perception somehow <laughs> just like lodges itself onto the boat and eats the other shark. Also, I, I should say, for the the shark, for CGI, it looked pretty good. Yeah, I would say, the I mean, they yeah. spent a shit time money on this movie. How much did it cost, right? It's like, it, um, it hasn't I thought it was a hundred million dollars. Because I'm thinking, like, it couldn't, it definitely didn't cost nearly as much as Ready Player One, which we also saw for the podcast. And the shark looked I don't way know, better I, than any I, CGI. 178 million. For I the was, Meg? Yeah. Wow. Wait, a hundred And then what did Ready Player One cost? I'm looking it I up right now. Ready Player One cost 175 million. They cost the same amount. Wow. Okay. Those two movies cost the same. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah. You hear Kanye said that Ready Player One is a fantastic film today. Oh, oh yeah, God. Dude, I, I can't. I don't know. I can't defend him anymore. I've defended him up until now. Doctor Cultural Arbiter over here <laughs> makes me think of that one. What was that one Heavy.com article? It was like. Will Ready Player One be for gamers what Black Panther was for Black Panther? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it was for Kanye. I was reading an interview with uh, some marine biologists who were just uh, talking about like um, the the Meg, like the CGI of it. And the only complaint that like these scientists had were like, well, they have like five to seven gills on the side of their body, but it looked pretty real. And I was like, how would you even have time to like count how many gills were on the shark's body during hey, the movie. Man, if I'm a scientist, I'm that's all I care about in that movie. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Accuracy of gill count on a shark. I don't know, man. That feels like a very Neil deGrasse Tyson thing to do. <laughs> Just come in and like be like, oh, actually, I, I think my favorite thing he ever did was, he not favorite thing, but like most iconic thing was he like finally saw the Titanic movie, like, which I've never seen, but he saw Titanic after like 20 years. And he was like, actually, this like constellations in the sky above like Rose Russell's <laughs> surrounding the sky are wrong. And so fucking what's his name? James Cameron redid it in the re-release of the Titanic. He spent like fifty million dollars to go in and CGI all the things. Because Neil deGrasse Tyson's nerd ass had to fucking be like, well, actually that uh, celestial <laughs> pattern was more indicative of a eighteen twenties celestial sky. And you're like, well, fuck you, man. Goddamn nerd. God, he's uh. He's the fucking word. I mean, now I'm thinking about that. Uh, I mean, it's gone now because he deleted all of his tweets, but that dog boner tweet where he saw Neil deGrasse Tyson on the train in New York. Oh, yeah, he took he a picture on- of him. He was on his computer and he took a picture of him and tweeted it out saying like, 
some guys on the train on his computer like some dumbass nerd and a bunch of Neil deGrasse Tyson fans started screaming at him. I thought the funniest things were the people who like didn't get that the, the guy named Dog Boner was making a joke. Right. And were like, th- hey, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but that's actually famed astronomer. <laughs> yeah. He, oh, there was really? someone who was like, he has, that man has more intelligence in his pinky finger than you have in your entire brain. And he, Dog Boner, just replied to him saying... Yeah, maybe, but I have sex twice a week and can throw a perfect spiral. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's probably like my only my only defense is like because he probably is much smarter than me, and for for sure he's more intellectually curious. <laughs> like the, the idea of that age, like sixty or whatever the fuck he is, being like, "Oh, I can't wait to learn new facts." I'm like less than half your age, bro, and I'm like, "Fuck new facts." <laughs> I don't want to watch new movies. Like. I'm, <laughs> Show me Jackass 1 again. Um, (laughs) But like, yeah, getting back to the subject matter at hand, I feel like if you're, if you're like a scientist and you're like watching the movie and like, it feels like really, uh, there's some idiom that I'm, that's eluding me, but it's uh, missing the forest through the trees or something like that. Can't see the forest. Can't see the forest through the trees, which is like, you're staring so much at those gills. You can't see what an absolutely batshit movie is wrapped around them. (laughs) And like, you're like, none of this would happen. Why would it beeline for the other side of the Pacific Ocean? Like, what's, what's I guess I could just smell those that 10,000 people in that five every five citizen of Japan hang out, you know, a hundred yards from the shore. That's the it's, other it's thing. National Beach Day, baby. Oh my god, when he ate that guy who was running in the hamster ball on the ocean oh, and great. just popped it, I could not stop laughing. That was that was so funny. Yeah, okay. So the, the second Meg uh swims off, it's going to Japan. Japan yeah. to eat to avenge Pearl Harbor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so it goes and ostensibly I just thought of the worst possible joke ostensibly this shark uh, is going to be responsible for more deaths than the band White Shark at their concert (laughs) (laughs) okay so it it gets there and really gonna rile up the White Shark (laughs) (laughs) it did look I I gotta say that, that many extras in a single scene looks insanely fucking cool it does one of the things that was really interesting to me about it was like kind of continuing in the Fruit Loops vibe was it was like a Benetton ad of like marine pool equipment. Like every other person was like, this person's on a stand-up top kayak. This person's in a hamster ball. This person's on a boogie board. This person's floating on their back. And they're all like perfectly spaced from each other. And it felt like almost like a Bollywood movie where everybody's, you know, like everybody's like got the different outfits, but they're all standing like the perfect distance from each other and moving around in coordination, except they get eaten by a giant shark, which would be a fun twist on a Bollywood movie. All those people in the water, I was like, that's cool. You guys have hobbies outside of the internet. (laughs) Good for you. The problem for me, again, with like all of these kind of like borderline cartoonish scenes is that it doesn't go full on with that. Like I like yeah. I like the Sharknado series because it makes no claim to be anything other than what it is. It's like incredibly shitty CGI sharks like whipping around and biting off cat divers' heads as they like lean out the window to look at the Sharknado <laughs> tornado. It's amazing. And, and 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 it makes no, you know, it puts on no airs about itself. 
This one yeah. tried yeah. to be both things, I think. Like it tried to be That's Jaws. What I was yeah. Yeah. It tried to be Jaws, but it also tried to be Sharknado at moments. And if I can be honest, I think the Sharknado moments of it are the ones that worked. Yeah, that's what, that's yeah. what I was thinking the entire time with the with the action scenes. Like the beach is a perfect example. Like it was pretty cool, but if they just turn it up another notch and the shark just was not stopped, like it, I don't think the shark <laughs> ate enough people at the beach. It should have eaten a ton of people. What I want to see is turning it up to like you have Jason Statham there. Just make it crank with the shark, and it's going to be exactly, a fucking insane man. movie. Have him ride yeah. a fucking shark. Have him punch a exactly. shark. Yeah, I want him to ride a shark. Have him so punch a shark in the fucking face. In the face. Right. I I genuinely so I I I said going in, I was like, well, just punch a shark in the face, and I knew that wasn't going <laughs> to happen. But I kind of pretty held like held out like non ironic hope, dude, that he would ride that was, fucking shark by like holding onto one of its fins. I was right there with you on punching it in the face. I wanted to, that scene at the end of the third matrix with neo and agent smith but it's jason statham and a shark just flying at each other yeah perfect right hook right into the nose of the shark i feel like we also missed out on a great opportunity for seth green to be in a movie again (laughs) like i felt like this like i don't know what it was about this movie but i'm like i feel like seth green would have been great in this movie he would have fit right in on the, on that underwater lab. Just being yeah, like a panicky, know. like a panicky office guy or something like that. I don't know. He was great, you know. Like have him do the the deal he did in the the what's it the Italian job. Give give him that job. <laughs> oh, no, they had to give that to Jax. It was all just cool way lesbian. too much action, and then they tried. They didn't develop any of the characters whatsoever, and then there was like a shitty romantic subplot where like the woman gave no emotion. Oh my god, when she saw Jason Statement, uh, Statement. I don't know what his name is. You just try Jason to force State me to watch Street. the Creek movies. State Street. But when Ooh. she saw him shirtless, and she was like outside oh, god, the door, so horny. and she was just like bad or like something weird like that we were like what's happening what's going on yeah you're, the, the romantic subplot was also pushed by her daughter just like demanding jason statham yeah. fuck her mom i have fuck a question five-year-old what's daughter a, what's an action movie because there's got to be one or two what's an action movie where you don't resent the romantic subplot because i feel like obviously the vast majority of action movies i resent the romantic subplot um and i kind I of hope one of them hard. dies Oh yeah, Die Hard is, <laughs> is important. Holly, Holly, uh, what's her name? McLean, Holly McLean, Holly something McLean. I think I like them in the Mission Impossible ones because that usually yeah. drives like. Is Mission Impossible three the one where he like has to go and yeah, save yeah, his? Yeah. I love Mission Impossible three, so I'm gonna say that's a good romance. Oh no, plot. wait, was it that was? I think that was. Um, what's the one where there's like the Rotation, like? I think no. I don't know. Ghost, I think it's Ghost Protocol. I have it no doesn't idea. Matter. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same. They're all excellent. But I mean, for yeah. the most part, I find them to be like annoying, kind of like, I mean, even like, oh, you know what would be, I guess, I guess it qualifies as an action movie, kind of, would be Ocean's Eleven, because at least in the first one, it's so intrinsically tied to like him fucking over the Andy Garcia character. Like he's got to steal Tess back. But like, mm-hmm. for the most part, they feel very shoehorned in and not at all the reason like, and it also feels like some sort of old sort of like old school understanding of movies where they're like, all right, we got the action scenes for the fellas. And then we got the touching <laughs> romance for the broads because they love that sort of stuff. That smoochy shit. All right. 
but like, come on, girls want to go see the Meg for the same reason we want to go see the Meg to see Jason Statham punch that fucking shark in the face. And right. and I feel like it's like this. There's definitely some like Harvey Weinstein looking motherfucker at Warner Brothers who is like, yeah, it's got to have a romantic subplot for the broads. <laughs> Um, chomping Which on is like absolutely not the case. No, and I'm sure you. I'm sure you found it just as annoying as everybody else. Yeah, was, I just want to see him punch a huge shark in the face. Exactly. Like, come on. God, this is why we need equality. Fifth wave feminism is um, <laughs> Jason, Jason punching, sharks. punching sharks in the face. Fifth wave feminism is just violence. It's just, it's just violence. They're like, yeah, all you pussy fourth wave feminists won't even go out there and attack animals. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think like, you know, that's why Crank was successful was like Crank made put no airs on about what it was. Crank 2 put no airs on about what it was. It was like, this is, you know, going to be everything that you like from a thing distilled down into its like, purest form and then you know you know inject it into your eyeball and you know i i you know dare i even say it that's why the mama mia franchise is is so successful i'm a big supporter of the mama mia franchise and i hope it becomes the fast and furious of jukebox musicals i don't know if you've ever seen the movies they are nonsensical they pay very little attention to the plot making sense oh my god the mama mia movies are amazing they're amazing but even like the second one most recent one is bonkers and it makes no sense Cher's involvement is shoehorned in in like the most like like slapdash who gives a fuck sort of way oh absolutely i'm trying to live my life like Cher. but who cares she just comes in she comes in at the end and she gets to sing fucking fernando she's like i'm gonna come in the last 20 minutes and then i'm gonna just Take because what's her name is just dead, like you're just like <laughs> what's the the Meryl Streep's character, and they just open up and they have this goofy ass picture that looks like. Do you ever see those pictures of the It's Always Sunny characters they did for like press photos where they were all wearing yellow uh, cardigans? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and they're all looking like angelic and looking up like. There's just this picture of, of Meryl Streep, and they're like, "Wow, I can't believe she died." All right, moving on. <laughs> And Which like, is so funny because I was watching uh, Mamma Mia, the first one this past weekend, and Meryl Streep talks about how her mom's in heaven. And then Cher comes in the second one. And it's like, well, big plot hole. Yeah, Wait, it, it doesn't matter. Mom? It literally yeah, doesn't matter. Cher plays the grandmother who's like a strange. And Meryl like, can come back in the next one and no one will fucking care. Dude, the hands down greatest scene. This is such a non sequitur from what we're talking about. But the hands down greatest scene <laughs> is like the, the reopening of Meryl's old hotel after she died. Is, is botched by a big storm on the Greek coast. And so, like, the road was blocked and no one could get there for the opening. And so, from the previous movie, the three elderly gentlemen have all agreed to parent the adult Amanda Seyfried. Uh, because they show up at her wedding and they're like, I'll parent you. Um, yeah. And as, as adult men often love to, famously love to do, is parent other men's children. Um, <laughs> And uh, they, it's it's a sign of great pride in the community. So, like, you know, whatever. But uh, it, Pierce Brosnan is there, and the other two, Stellan Skarsgård and Colin Firth, are not there. And they have been at this bar in this other Greek town with all these drunk sailors. They're like, you guys want to go to a party? And, like, the movie's about to be over. It's like, no one's coming to my opening. And Pierce Brosnan's like, I wouldn't be so sure. And hands her, like, these, <laughs> these binoculars. And she looks out, and there are... 
maybe 150 fat shirtless Greek men doing a dancing queen dance routine on these like five ships. And off the front of the first ship is a open shirted Stellan Skarsgård being cradled lovingly. I'm king of the world style by, um, yep. by Colin, Colin Firth, Firth, who are both just having the goddamn time of their lives. None of this makes any sense. And then the final no. scene involves all of them because there are a bunch of flashbacks in the movie involves a trans temporal dance number of super trooper where they all have duets with their former like flashback selves. What? None of this makes any sense. Their flashbacks show up in the current time and they all put on ABBA like spaceman uniforms and sing super trooper. (laughs) This is a summary of the new Mamma Mia as much as it is the Meg. Because it doesn't make any (laughs) fucking sense. It's why you go see face off and halfway through face off, they're like, oh, we cut his face off. And they like, you're like, okay, so faces are attached around the rim. And like, <laughs> like, and, and, and at some point, Travolta's face is just floating in a jar of face juice. Like, all of this stuff is going on. And they just breeze over it so fast. Like, the doctors, like, the doctor's like, I'm a doctor who does face cutting. And the next scene, they have different faces. And there's no other color. And you really don't care. You really don't care. Because it's like, the same, same thing with like like Crank Two, where where towards the end, for no reason, it just becomes Godzilla, and like when they're fighting at the, it's, it's like the electrical plant, and it goes from just two regular people fighting into two people who are Godzilla sized, <laughs> stomping around fighting, and then like little miniature figurines that they're stomping on, and then the fight ends, and it just goes back to regular, and they never explain what happened. I also like in Face Off when Nick Cage is smoking a cigar- cigarette with no, literally no face. He has no face. <laughs> it, like it's it's just blood because he hasn't put on John Travolta's face yet. Yeah, that's an amazing scene. Holy shit! I went to Mamma Mia too with our friend Christina, and these mothers, these three mothers in front of us, snuck in an entire wine bottle. And when Pierce Brosnan started singing, they all started booing. <laughs> they should. He's so bad. It's. I don't know, you guys, if you watch the first one, he starts to sing Fernando. He's supposed to sing Fernando like they do a duet. It's him and, I can't believe I remember this. It's him and Meryl Streep (laughs) singing a duet of Fernando. And you kind of think that the plot point is going to be that he's a terrible singer and she's going to bring it up. Like, they're going to address how bad he is at singing. But it's just like, I would have thought, like, like... they're like, oh, let's try out Pierce Brosnan. Hey, Pierce, could you sing Fernando for a second? And he tries to sing, and they're like, thanks for coming in today. Because he is, <laughs> it is like listening to a goat yodel. It is insane. Like, you you kind of almost think it's a joke at first. Like, this is going to be a plot point. They're like, and then he goes to singing class. And like, <laughs> That's it's, it's, no, and he's just allowed to continue singing. It's terrible. He's but. <laughs> It, smartly, I think. So in the second movie, they had two things to tackle. One, I don't think anybody expected there would be a second one, and so they used all the good ABBA songs in the first one. <laughs> and then, and then, I they really cut down on Pierce Brosnan's singing time in that in that movie. His his maybe one third of the amount of singing he has in the first one. God, I hope our audience base is split between the Meg and Mama Mia, because <laughs> if that's the fact, they're gonna love this episode. Yeah, man. Uh, yes. All right. So going back to the Meg, they how do they how do they I don't remember how do they get the second Meg away from the beach? Whale song. Oh yeah. 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 So they attach- we wanted an action movie. <laughs> <laughs> so 
eventually the they go back to the boat and Dwight Schrute's like, uh, I called the Chinese. He literally says, I called the Chinese. <laughs> and he's like, I called all these governments. They're going to take care of it. It's out of our hands. I'm washing my hands of all this. Uh, there's going to be people here to pick you up tomorrow. And he freaking lied because he's a billionaire. And he's thinking, anybody that gets killed by this thing, that's that's money out of my pocket that I got to pay for those families. So his plan is to just leave those people there and go kill kill it himself with like his own team of like Blackwater guys. And so they're on a helicopter. Eric and Prince. They, Eric Prince and Dwight yeah, Schrute. Uh, Eric Prince and Dwight Schrute. I would watch that buddy comedy. <laughs> I would watch that. Contractors. It's a USA show. Contractors. <laughs> uh, so he... The guys in the helicopter, they're like, oh, we found them. We're going to blow them up. And they blow them up. Somehow they aren't able to tell that that's not a megalodon. That's a whale. <laughs> so they actually just blow up a whale. And they go in to like try to get teeth out of it because they think it's a megalodon. But it doesn't have teeth because it's a whale. Because they, again, they couldn't tell. It, was it has krill filters or whatever. Yeah. And they have this little, like, push all there is is baleen. Then the shark comes and they all they start speeding off. Dwight Schrute falls off the boat and, like, it gets scared. He swims over to the dead whale carcass, climbs on top. He's like, oh, I'm safe. And then the shark bites him and eats him, but he leaves his hands, which was a cool shot, <laughs> where the shark bites off his hands and the hands are still on the dead whale. Th- that's before the big beach scene. That was? Yeah, yeah. that was before the beach scene. The big beach scene was the climax. Yeah. So, oh, you're right. This movie is a mess of things happening. It doesn't really matter. It the doesn't order matter the happen. order that they happen. <laughs> but what's most important is that Pippin the dog lives at the end. Oh yeah, they go to the beach and there's a nice boat wedding happening. Those classic. Well, I don't want to talk about other cultures. Maybe in Japan, people traditionally get married on boats at sea. You'd also think that like the news reports of a 75 foot prehistoric shark <laughs> would like be like. So all boat weddings are postponed <laughs> until we uh, until we deal with this giant murderous dinosaur that's in the water. I did. I looked at the plot summary on Wikipedia. To the movie's discredit, we're fucking up the country the beach is in. It is in China, and they just don't try to explain. There's oh yeah, the beach in oh. this because they said it was heading for Japan. Yeah, they said it was, initially it was, and then they Did were like, oh, course? now it's going to China. I guess that was the first shark, the first oh. one that they kill was going for Japan. Maybe. There's too many. They just pick, they they, they do a tour We of need East a scene Asia, with a Thailand. map. We need a scene where they get really into a map. We need a scene a with a map. Yeah. yeah. We need a really nice, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when we see that old map and we watch the plane go from one country to another, we need to watch the shark travel. We need a, a mall wayfinder with like, you are here and <laughs> it, it Tree really Shark 1 is up like here it, over on the left wing. It feels like like the different parts of the movie were written, but like there was one person whose job it was to write the action scenes, one person whose job it was to write the science scenes, one person whose job it was to write the romantic scenes and then they all came together and they're like all right we have one day to stitch this together into a full movie <laughs> before we have to start shooting and yeah, it also has like check. all the hallmarks of like multiple rewrites and a lot of cuts like yeah. they're like whole like plot lines that you feel like were probably followed through to more fruition you know in early in early cuts and then like they're like we got to get this down to like this movie sucks so we have to get it down to like <laughs> an hour 45 there's never been like a great movie that's been like under an hour and thirty. Like 
Gotta go see this movie. It's an hour and five minutes long. It's great. <laughs> like, well, how long is it? Far, Fargo's pretty short. Fargo's short. Fargo's about hour 35, hour 40. Really? The Meg was an hour 52. It was so long. To, here's the thing, though. So It felt way long. I it felt see, so long. I'm, I'm, I kind of went in, like, comparing it to the last movie we saw for the podcast, which is Ready Player One, and the last movie I had seen, which is Mission Impossible. And... It definitely is like Ready Player One felt way fucking longer than it was. And the Meg kind of felt like about what it was, whereas Mission Impossible felt way shorter than it was because Mission Impossible kicks ass. Mm -hmm. And I also think part of it going in was like all the things the Meg was trying to do, Mission Impossible does so much better from the action and the relationships because instead it's more cohesive where the Meg like they're trying to amp up all of it and tie it all together and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. The only romantic subplot we needed was the whale noise and the second Meg being like, I'm horny and going away from the beach. That's the only romantic subplot we needed. Also, I was really hoping all of them died for just like fucking up the ecosystem. I was like, truly, I just hope you all die. I didn't feel bad for anyone who died. Chuck Chelio says during like when they when they first explained that the shark came out of the trench, he's like, well, maybe that gas lands there for a reason. Which, yeah, yeah probably. I yeah. mean, I guess it makes sense. It was because you guys messed it up, and now there are two massive sharks swimming around. Like seeing every single shark movie, I'm like, okay, this is bad for like perpetuating fear of sharks because they're not bad. And like, like, uh, uh, we kill like a hundred million of them every year for like, like fin soup, like finning that thing where they like cut off the fins Shark and then fin they soup. throw ba- them back in. So I was like, you know what? If they all die, good. <laughs> I'm always hoping everyone dies in every shark movie. I'm like, fuck it, whatever. Kill them all. Yeah, I really felt like, uh, you know, watching Deep Blue Sea somewhat recently. That I was fucking rules. I watched that recently rules, too. Because everybody dies, man. There's that one part, there's one girl gets like crotch, crotch chomped. By a shark. Like, yes, she does. She's like the shark. Hello, Cool J is in it too. Th- straight up thigh alley. That shot. That shot is so good too because it looks like she's like gonna grab that guy's like hand and then you see the the shark under her and it's like nope she's dead. <laughs> There's also the one where LL Cool J is like at the end of his like you know rousing speech and the shark just bursts through a wall and eats. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so cool. <gasps> oh That's yeah, great. I want that. Like because if I'm not gonna root. I don't want Jason Statham. Oh, you know, to be honest, if Jason Statham had died, I would have given the movie points for like at least throwing something at me that I didn't see coming from like the, you know, guy yelling out of a moving car synopsis. <laughs> that would have been nice. So we're we're almost at an yeah. hour. So let's let's give everyone give our final thoughts and like final review. Crane, you want to go first? Yeah, um, I would say don't go see it. <laughs> I think there are probably better movies to see. I think once it gets on like Netflix or Hulu or something like that, you know, like fine, watch it. Um, you know, maybe fast forward through any of the scenes that aren't like, if it were like a movie, you ever do that on like Netflix where you're like, I just want to watch these like couple scenes. But as a little kid, I used to only want to watch the traps on my VHS copy of, uh, Home Alone. You know, just like, I, that's how I was. I had the, uh, all the Sex in the City VHS tapes and I would only watch the scenes with boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you're going. <laughs> I was too. What are the only like? I only watch scenes with Samantha. <laughs> I didn't know what you were gonna say. Um, but yeah, I would say like if you could watch it in that capacity, but like paying like what does it cost to go to the movies? Eighteen fifty now. 
Like, yeah, there are better ways to spend your money. Um, Just I would go say see Mission wait. Impossible again. Go see Mission <laughs> yeah. Impossible, man. Look at look at Tom Cruise. I might join Scientology if that's what's keeping him looking the way he does. Yeah, it looks like it works. Yeah, man. <laughs> keeping him handsome and short. <laughs> Just like what every woman wants. My final thoughts on it. Um, I'm going to throw out my resident joke that I've been throwing out since my name is Meggie. I'll give it two out of five stars. Thought the Meg was going to be about my ginormous vagina. Thank you. Thank you. That's my tight five. Um, no, but actually, uh, if don't see it. Donate to Shark Savers. It's a organization that protects sharks. Um, or just donate to Natural Resources Defense Council. Oh, and yours is it. better than mine. <laughs> yours was no, better okay. than mine. I wrote down a ton of you're like shark facts. You're morally superior to me, and your joke was better. <laughs> and your joke was better. This is this is just devastating. It's just because my name is Maggie. I have the upper ground on the there joke you one. Yeah, you had you had the you had the easy in. I did. Uh, just like my enormous vagina, the easy uh, in. Okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Cherry on top. I'd say see it, get either wasted, baked out of your mind, go with a few friends, get a bunch of nachos. Uh, it's bad, but it's fun as hell. Shark could have been bigger. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, as long uh, as you're making up fake sharks, I don't really go <laughs> for the gusto. Well, they leave room for improvement in the Meg, too. A shark the that eats the island of Japan. <laughs> Uh, I would say it's it is fun. I would if you're gonna go to the movies, I would see Mission Impossible again, even if you've already seen it. <laughs> uh, if you know, if you are just going to see Jason Statham do cool stuff, you can watch the Crank movies online at home. So all in all, my final review is not bad. <laughs> uh, do we want to do plugs? Yeah, sure. Crank. I have an article coming out in a few days in Vice about Jackass. And how oh, much nice. it rules. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to make some wild claims about its influence over modern society. And I really am not interested in hearing anybody's criticisms of those claims. But if you want to check out the article, <laughs> um, it'll be on Vice probably this weekend. Sweet, Maggie. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Maggie underscore Gates. Um, I have a feature coming out about Beach Bunny. They're touring with Remo Drive and they fucking rule. Otherwise, uh, you should check out my friends Elena and Kara's podcast, Science FM. They're two ladies who talk about science, and it's actually funny, and I learn things, and I'm a fucking dumbass. So it's a really good... Check out Science FM. They sent me, like, a whole, like, their whole paragraph of, like, a nice, fancy write-up, and I was like, nah, I'm just going to say I'm a dumbass, and I learned from your podcast, so <laughs> please listen to Science FM. Uh, next Saturday, September 1st, we are having a backyard show at 8.30 here in Chicago. Uh, Meggie's going to perform. Connor's going to perform. I'm not. DM Connor for info and come out. We're raising money for... What are we raising money for, Connor? Uh, the, the, Young youth, Center the Young Center, Center for, for Immigrants. For Immigrant Children's Rights. Irving Park, uh, Chicago. They, yeah. Protect We're raising money rights. for immigrant kids' rights, basically. And it's Rory's yeah. birthday. Yeah, and then we're going to have a big party in our apartment afterwards. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm going to be 30 years old. Yeah. Um, and then oh, for man. me, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Connor C. Golden with no vowels. So C-N-N-R-C-G-L-D-N. 
I changed it because I thought I was going to get banned during the big band spree and I wanted to get my real name out of all my stuff. Uh, and then I'm going to have an article coming out on the outline soon about dumb quarter dumb quarterbacks who have found success in the NFL. So that'll be fun. And that's it. There you go. And you guys, right, if you want to follow on, me on Twitter, you can find me at AltPotusHillary. Uh, <laughs> you can find me there. I'll be, uh, I'll be there to give you guys a glimpse into... You know, universe two. <laughs> thank you so much, guys, for having me. Yeah, thanks Dude, for coming thank on. Thank you for man. coming awesome, on. Awesome, man. Now, we have to do another one about Jackass soon. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. See you. All right. Bye. Later, man. Bye. bye. bye.